Testing, one, two, three, testing. Testing, one, two, three. <laughs> it's only a podcast, folks. Don't get that word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Beads of sweat. Yeah, I owe you. Okay, well, welcome to EM Toxcast. EM Toxcast is the podcast where we talk about all things emergency medicine. And today we just finished our first decision analytics rounds, right? Decision science. Decision round. science round. Science. Ah, I blew it already. Sorry. <laughs> take, take two. And uh, decision science rounds. Right. That's right. And this is a big initiative in, in our department uh, here at the Drexel University College of Medicine and the uh, uh, Drexel LeBeau College, uh, of Business. College of Business, uh, where those two, the intersection of decision science and business analytics, for lack of a better term, my own ignorance, and meets the problems physicians have on a day-to-day basis. And the two folks at the head of this enterprise are uh, Ryan Arnold and Mugay Kapan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, Ryan, you want to introduce yourself? Sure, uh, Ryan Arnold, and I'm worth uh, I'm work and working in the emergency department here, and have joined with the exciting, uh, I think, opportunity to build this collaboration with our analytic colleagues at School of Business and bring their analytic ability to our healthcare data and our problems, and find new insights that we previously have not been able to discover with our traditional approaches. Exactly. And Muge. Yes. So my name is Muge Chapan, and uh, I'm an associate clinical professor here at LeBeau College of Business. And as Ryan mentioned, we are very excited about this collaboration, bringing our predictive analytics and data science tools to a big problem that we can solve, which is the healthcare, healthcare decision making, and how can we leverage the data to make better informed decisions. So that's, that's really our goal. So unless you think there's only three people in this room, <laughs> there are actually many, many more. So there is a huge team that worked on the database uh, and addressed the problem we're going to talk about. So you, um, why don't you start with, starting with Mark, go ahead and pass the microphone around and introduce yourself. So hi, I'm Mark Ramsey. I'm a second-year Drexel Emergency Medicine resident and former paramedic. Uh, I was involved in this project in just uh, collecting uh, and accumulating the data from uh, our patients here at Hahnemann Hospital. So Mark was the doctor with the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My name is Drew Armstrong. I'm a second-year business analytics master's student, and I was one of the students involved in the project, so just pass it around. Hi, my name is Meer Chera, and even I'm a second-year business analytics student, and I'm a, I've been a member of this 10-people team who, is, who, who all are working on this project. Hi, this is Malika Mahapankar, and I'm a second-year business analytics student as well, and we're very, very excited to be here. All right. Hi, I'm Zoya Khalife. I'm a second-year business analytics grad student, and I'm also part of this team working for Hahnemann Hospital. Hi, I'm Karen Noel. I'm a second year um, graduate student in the Business Analytics Master's program, and I'm excited to be here too. Hello, I'm Parth Girme. I'm also a second year uh, Business Analytics student at uh, Drexel, and I'm looking forward to this. Hi, I'm Sharat. I'm also a second year Business Analytics student, just like everyone else said, and we're really excited to be here in the podcast. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Karan Gandhi. I'm also a second-year business in analytics student, and I'm excited to be here. Okay, great. So, fantastic. 
So Mark had the problem, uh, and this is a problem that we uh, often talk about and are faced with in emergency medicine. And Mark, you did a great vignette tonight of the typical patient we worry about, right? We often uh, uh, fear that phone call 12 hours later where it's like, do you remember that person you admitted with chest pain? And you say, yes. And they're like, well, they didn't do so well. And we wish we could find a way to predict which, when those folks uh, and how those folks were going to deteriorate. So Mark, you grabbed a pretty big database for, um, from, from our standpoint of, of about, what, 250 patients? Yeah, it was about 247 patients. And these are patients who had a rapid response activation or, okay. or a code uh, in the year 2017 at our hospital. And then to analyze it, you guys split them into two groups, right? One group was uh, uh, deteriorated very early, and one deteriorated uh, later. Uh, what was the thinking behind that, Ryan? So the 24-hour the time limit, which was the cutoff for the diff defining between case and control, so our, our, the, the groups that we were really trying to see if, if there's a, an ability to determine if the emergency department can identify trends or, or, or signals in a patient and that's going to deteriorate rapidly after admission. But oftentimes these mandates are handed down to us and asked to, that, that we are expected to be able to know this and to, to prevent those, those events. So that 24-hour man, you know, kind of cutoff, it has been sometimes from top down being pushed down by administrators and hospitals and even sometimes uh, larger federal agencies that say, this is the, the time that should have been preventable, whereas after this, maybe this is you know, an, uh, an event that we were unable to predict, but this should be something that they expect us to have been able to, to ameliorate and prevent from happening. So I think that's the challenge is us saying, is that actually true? Right. So is, this, is it even possible to predict? Correct. So Muge, you were the you led this gigantic team. What was uh, what was the approach that you took in uh, in in simplest terms for us folks who are out there who are still uh, novices on decision science and and breaking this stuff down? Yes, yeah, sure. So this was quite an adventure, uh, as you can see. We had a <laughs> group of ten very talented uh, young professionals of business analytics, passionate about applying the skill sets and methods and tools that they learned to an actual data set and actual problem. Um, and the way we approached this is very simple, actually. We first started really understanding the current state. That's where we always start. Mm -hmm. Look at the data, and what we call it is descriptive analytics. Okay. Uh, we start with descriptive analytics, meaning describing the data as it is, describing the trends, the populations. And in this case, it was the patients who had an RRT or code 99, um, looking at their many characteristics, age, gender, when they arrived in the ED, what, they, what happened to them, what was their chief complaint, and things like that, mm -hmm. and looking for trends. And indeed, we found some trends there about seasonality, which was interesting. Um, the next step is predictive analytics. Mm -hmm. So in that case, what we do is we um, develop models to predict the outcome of interest. So in this case, we had two outcomes of interest. One was, can we really predict if someone will have an event before 24 hours or after? Uh, where time zero being the triage. The other outcome of interest was time to event. Uh, can we predict the time that somebody will have an RRT or code 99 relative to the triage time. And there are many different predictive analytics models. The one that we chose that worked best for us is called uh, a random forest, which basically utilizes um, 
a non-parametric method looking at different splits of data to give us the most efficient way of understanding subgroups and predicting their outcomes. Um, and the final piece is the prescriptive analytics. When we think about analytics, we always think about three buckets, and the third one is prescriptive. And in that case, we are using what we learned in predictive analytics to provide tools, strategies, um, decision support, and in that uh, regard, what we presented today was actually a decision tool where you can enter the information and get uh, instant feedback. Mm. Now, what was interesting to me was the data that was collected uh, probably reflected a subtle hypothesis uh, testing by the folks who were collecting the data. In other words, uh, Mark and um, the folks on that uh, resident research project. And uh, the general hypothesis testing is like, we should be able to predict this from vital signs, right? We should be able to predict this from vital signs. And one of the things that I, I'm a big believer in is that the respiratory rate is generally underestimated as a predictor. But one of the four conclusions that this team came up with was that vitals are not the only significant contributor to a patient's status. And what they said was the month of the year and the day of the week and I have to tell you, sitting in the audience and seeing that, you know, Monday was uh, a bad day for, uh, you know, rapid responses really made me, uh, you know, uh, sort of cringe a little bit because I thought I can't control Monday or Tuesday. So one of the students, why don't you guys want to talk about a little bit about how that sort of pops out to you and when you're doing these studies and doing this um, programming and what have you, and you get something like that, is your what's your first reaction? Like, oh, that makes sense? Or you're like, wow, those doctors are not going to be happy to hear that Monday's so bad. <laughs> I think it was the they're not going to be happy reaction. Um, <laughs> but as to, as to how we arrive at a conclusion like that, um, so we first we just start by looking at general trends in the data, just trying to like graph things out and trying to see if we can see any separation in trends, just say... For example, the vital signs, we just plot them, at, plot their distribution, look at the case group versus the control group. Mm -hmm. We ended up not really finding any significant separation between the two, with, at least with um, reference to vital signs. But when we looked at like months, like quarters of the year, like Q1, Q2, right. we ended up finding like Q2 and Q4, there was a way more people who were admitted to the hospital, way more people were having problems. And we ended up using as... Um, Muge said earlier, uh, a random forest algorithm, which is, it creates a bunch of these decision trees, these small decision trees, and it it just uses a bunch of the, these like randomly selected subsets of the data to um, get an ensemble conclusion. Mm -hmm. um, and since you have all these smaller decision trees, uh, what you can do with that is you can generate something called like a variable importance plot. And in this plot, you can essentially you can graph the, the 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 ability for that variable to create like a homogeneous separation between case and control okay. versus you know the variables themselves. So the variables that ended up creating the best splits in the data were months and shift times and days. Mm -hmm. and chief so, complaints were up there, but and, and then the vitals came interesting in later. Stuff, but, yeah, I, I, but I think it's surprising. It's surprising. I think what and what was what is so I, I, um, for the clinicians. That, that look at this and they realize that we let the, you know when you have when you hear the concept of machine learning you know we don't put parameters around the analysis we let we let 
the data speak for itself. They pull these trends from it without having us tell them, oh, well, Monday might be bad, but Saturday is really bad because it's a weekend is undercovered. And so we don't tell them that. We let the data show that. And I think that's what's really interesting when you see these, these variables that, that come through that, we, that if we were designing our study, we would have said, well, this is not important. Let's not worry about this. Right. But it's a, it functions as a signpost for, right. the, for the next thing. So pass the mic along to some other folks. And then the second conclusion was that many variables contribute to decision-making at triage, not just one significant contributor. Um, no, I don't think that I don't think the headphones are going to make it. So, <laughs> um, so talk about that. In other words, uh, when you were looking at this, everybody's hoping for one variable to say like, "Oh, aha!" You know, if you just look at this, um, when you're doing these uh, random forest plots, uh, when does it become obvious that multiple variables are going to be necessary? Yeah. So I think this is something that even when attendings or uh, interns, for that matter, discuss among themselves as to their experiences in the ER, this is something that's going to be striking striking because someone's going to say, I looked at the SBP. That's something I depend on. You look at the RR rate. Right. And that's something that also got us thinking that these vitals cannot be the only factors that contribute. There has to be, be an interplay among the variables. And that got us to the, the importance plot. And the importance plot very clearly, like Andrew just mentioned before, tells us that if you drop so-and-so variables, you're going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. Your accuracy is going to reduce. So it's something that's validating what attendings know at the back of their mind. Some believe SBP, DBP does it. Some believe RR, MAP does it. Mm -hmm. There are others who worked over years who believe that, you know, Monday is bad. So that's something that's <laughs> an interplay bad. of variables. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they decide that, you know, it's not, it's not going to be just vitals. And that's something that we were able to prove with the data set that we had. And we're very thankful for that, too. Yeah, good, good. So the other thing, go ahead and pass, keep passing around to the rest of the team. So the other third one was that a trivial com chief complaint did not imply low risk. The number of patients with fatigue that died were higher in percentage than the ones who came in with chest pain. Um, I think that's instinctively something we all sort of accept. But it was very interesting that it really uh, popped out in this, uh, in your analysis. Yeah, so as you already mentioned, if a patient comes in with a chest pain, you're surely going to give it more importance. That's probably why a lot of them haven't died, mm. <clears throat> because you already give it higher importance and give them more care compared to a person who came in with a basic nausea or a fatigue mm -hmm. as the complaint. Mm -hmm. So probably that's what led to us coming up with the you know numbers of saying the people who have come up with you know trivial complaints like nausea, fatigue, or cough died. More, the more number of people who died were more than the number of people with chest pain, mm -hmm. which validates what doctors already know. So that made us more confident that what we're doing is right, rather right. than you know just wandering in the desert right, trying right, to find right. water. Finding out that Tuesday's bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So the last conclusion, the takeaway, was that vitals for, uh, for the case and the control group are not significantly different from each other. And um, that was, to me, um, very, very fascinating to see the overlap, that one graph that you displayed, to basically say that um, that not only did not, uh, not one vital is not going to help me, but all the vital signs are not as predictive. And you were, you were very smart to remind us all that we probably do a pretty good job of finding the obviously sick ones, and vital signs give us that clue as to who, uh, who is obviously sick. But um, we're still not doing a good job on that homogenous group of folks with the vital signs that are in between. 
But there was one thing that stuck out, and that blood pressure that was in a slightly higher range seemed to be a bad predictor. So talk about how um, when you we were talked in that in that um, in a, our group talk about the pruning process for uh, you know, decision science. And I think a lot of us uh, really didn't quite understand it as well in the beginning as we did at the end. So how did you guys uh, manage to take what could be a gigantic tree and cut it down to um, a useful uh, decision tree? Well, if, if you make a normal decision tree, it's huge. It's, as you know, as I mentioned, it's gigantic. And you have to sort of find a pruning criteria to uh, you know, prune it further down to make it more simplistic and but still very relevant. Uh, we used the uh, random forest algorithm to do that, and okay. we used the algorithm to get the importance plot. So as mentioned before, what the random forest algorithm does is it will make multiple trees uh, with a limited number of variables. So now instead of just going and saying, all right, let's take out variable one by one as we feel like, now mm -hmm. we have something to sort of rely upon because the algorithm you know, runs multiple trees and outputs the important variables. And then we make a final decision tree uh, based on the number of variables we can fit in and versus the accuracy we want, per se. And so we talked about how the tree apparently has cannot be too too small, too for lack small. of a better term, or <laughs> too big, too branching, because otherwise you, you seem to lose power uh, to mm -hmm. predict in either, in either case. Um, well, I have to uh, hand it to you guys. You really have impressed me as scientists. I knew you were scientists <laughs> when the first part of your presentation was, we need more data. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I said, oh, this crew is really, really good. <laughs> but as I said, I've, sit in, I've sat in a lot of presentations on decision analytics and uh, folks who are, are trying to give you advice as to how to go make next steps. You did a fantastic job. Um, Muge, some final thoughts on, on uh, what the next steps would be in sort of uh, trying to dig into some of this? We are very excited. This is the beginning of this collaboration. And as we bring in more students, uh, what we would like to do is to really help uh, the emergency medicine and uh, college of medicine in general to solve real world problems. So how can we bring our tools basically um, uh, to, to use for, for physicians and providers to make better decisions. And I think this is just the beginning. Yeah, we would love it. Ryan? Yeah, I was just going to add that I think that, um, you know, for anyone out there that is looking to maybe even mimic a similar model of collaboration, um, one of the things that we can just speak to from experience is that working together is with, the, you know, each step of the way with your, with your team is so important because, the, the clinical team informing the analytic team, the analytic team back and forth, uh, it has to be an ongoing iterative process. It cannot be something that is, here's my data set, send me when you're done, and I'll have my paper to write, right? This is, this is about l everyone learning what the op opportunities are. As, as, as happened tonight, we saw these many different questions. We can go the next direction, and, and we add new variables, talk about the factors that can be added to improve the model. That's how, that's how we fine-tune ourselves to get to a, a, a deliverable that I think is going to really impact care but I think it's just again the beginning of a really exciting you know kind of development and relationship so yeah I think this is I, I this is the help we need right we don't we don't need any more help documenting we don't need any more help uh, you know uh, putting things in the charts and recording things this is the help we need we need uh, to get the power of decision science uh, to meet the medical problem with 
a human factor somewhere in between so we don't all burn out on the alarms that are going on uh, around us all. Well, thanks a million, everybody. Appreciate you guys swinging by to the our wonderful studios here <laughs> <laughs> to do a little podcasting. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.